Welcome to another edition of the Cyclone Fanatic Podcast. It is football and random things in the Carl Chevrolet studios. What's up, Jeffrey? The Carl Chevrolet studios are a little bit warm today, as it is now above 50. They are quite warm. It is, yeah, it is really hot in here. It's a building that has not adjusted to the fact that it is almost feeling like spring to summer. It's not quite summer, but I mean, it's 70-something. Have you seen the, the Longest Yard, like the new version of it? I have. You know the part when they throw Adam Sandler into, I think they call it the hole, but it's like the big metal building out in mm-hmm. the Texas heat? That's what I f- imagine being in there feels like. This is right now. Had. Yeah. Isn't that what they... I feel like we're just trapped inside of our own heat. Isn't that why uh, Craig James' kid like, got, got Mike Leach fired? Is because they said he put him in a shed like that? But I don't think totally it was didn't. quite like that. No, I, I mean, maybe he put him in. Uh, yeah, I don't think that's actually what happened. The, maybe that was what they claimed. That's what, I thought that's what the claim was. Yeah. No, I, mean, I'm not, I'm I was say, again, I think not, the reality was that it was like a training room or something. Yeah, no, I'm not validating that by any means. The James family isn't exactly one that I'm like, yeah, let's endorse their opinions. What if Mike Leach, just at practice, he did have one of those little, it's just like a tin shed. <laughs> Specifically for the purpose of punishment? Yeah. Like just to dump somebody in? You drop a pass, it's like you're, you get two minutes in the shed. <laughs> it's a penalty box, but threatening with real real death. You actually could, you could die in there. And it would work, it might not work in Pullman, Washington. Just, it, I don't think it probably gets hot enough to really Lubbock? be. be but, oh, in Lubbock, it absolutely was. That's a desert. Just in the Texas heat, just beating down on you. It'll be horrible. Sounds nice. Pleasant. And that's where we are right now. We're in the desert heat in a tin shed in Lubbock, Texas. What a world. <laughs> Shout out to Lubbock, Texas today. Yeah, that's a, that's a good place to be if you are. Uh, this has got to be like the golden age of being a Red Raider fan, right? I mean, Pat Mahomes is one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. Mm-hmm. You're golden boy. And now your, your team gets the national championship game with a legitimate shot to win, knock on wood. And I think they will win. Well, I feel like it's just this is as physical as that game was. And I don't know basketball all that well, but I feel like that was just terrific basketball. Like mm-hmm. Michigan, Michigan State, Texas Tech, it was just physical as hell. Like it wasn't necessarily that they were taking unprovoked bad shots. Just they weren't able – no one was able to get a good shot. And when somebody got like – like Cassius Winston maybe made somebody miss and got like, an e- like a quote easy layup, you're like, oh my God. They just – Make it, just took a good shot. Wow. Good for them. It's yeah. the first one in seven minutes. Yeah. Yeah, it was a great, I don't know, those were two great games. I mean, those, the final four was about as good as I think you could really hope for it to be. What's your take on the Auburn-Virginia refereeing at the end of the game? Uh, the one that I think is, mo- is more problematic was the missed double dribble. Hmm. Uh, that I, but I think that, that I get why it didn't get called to. So if is the distinction if it rolls away from a person and they lose the pattern of the dribble, is that not a double dribble? Or like regardless, it should have been a double dribble. Well, it's because he it hit off his foot and then he grabbed it with two hands. At that point, you give up your dribble. So like, but what if it rolled all the way across the floor? Does it matter? Like you, if it yeah, it, if you go and pick it up, you have to you have to literally. Figure oh, you out have a to way to start do, it dribbling. Do the, I don't want to pick this basketball thing. But he literally grabbed the ball with two hands and kept dribbling. And once you grab the ball like that with two hands, you, if you kick it off yourself, then you give up your dribble from what I understand. Hmm. But if a defensive player kicks it and then you go and get it like that, then that's one thing. But when you kick it yourself you and pick the ball up, that's, you're, you're giving up your dribble. So that seems – but. In live action, like, I, I wasn't thinking about that. I mean, I'm, I'm not a 
super basketball guy, like I said. But I had to see it afterwards to before I could really even. And you're like, oh, you could even comprehend and in the I, speed of the game. It's like, and there's just so much going on. Well, and there's such a, a short time left. I honestly think that that three that three pointer it, it was a foul. Like it was definitely a jumping into a shooter. Mm-hmm. And even if you slow it down, like it wasn't the Auburn or the uh, um, guy didn't jump into the Auburn player. He jumped straight up and down. And the Auburn player hit him in midair. Like, that was very clearly a foul. But, so, like, that one you can understand calling. But I think the officials are, I would assume they're told, like, swallow the whistle a little bit in final, like, in the last 15 seconds, unless it's an egregious foul or an egregious penalty. I mean, call it fair as much as you want, but, like, you don't want to be a ticky-tack block charge, like, to end the game. That That was my only problem with it was that it was, was it a foul by the letter of the law? Yes. Yes, technically it was the correct call. Kyle got shot also almost still went in. <laughs> so it's not like it egregiously altered his ability to shoot the basketball, you know? Yeah. So it, that's one of the, like, and that's just, I mean, those guys are, there's a reason that they're the officials in the final four. Because don't they get know? graded? And like, oh, yeah. They I mean, advance those, like the teams do? The six guys who did those games are the six best officials in college basketball. Do basically. they piecemeal them together or do they take whole teams? I think they, they take them individually. They're not like, they don't get like, a, no group of officials is always oh, the same. I just didn't know. I, I didn't know if it was like a... There are guys probably who work together more often than, like John Higgins might work with, you know, somebody more than he works with other people. But, yeah. Uh, but they're not taking like a whole team. It's not like that in college basketball where it's like you've got a whole team of officials and they travel around together. They're all independent contractors. Oh, okay. They just go off on their own. So if John Higgins gets selected to do the Final Four, that doesn't mean, oh, he did a bunch of games with Doug Sermons and Tom Eads. It doesn't mean that they're coming with him because John Higgins was one of the best officiating crew or like best officials, you know. I just it's going to be him. Like, and well, I know that like in football, that's, other guys. in football, that's the way it is though. Like yeah. the officiating crews, it's like Mike DeFee's crew. Like, I'm sure that in football though, it's more, it, it's hard. It, you have to have like a team, you know, There's for sure. For more, sure. Yeah. In football, you have to have, you got to trust the a rest. lot of familiarity with each other. And you, and you have to trust your other officials. Like I've never officiated a game, but putting myself in their shoes, you have, there are so many things you can watch and there's so many players in a field doing mm-hmm. so many different things. Like if you think of a sport, you'd be hard pressed to find a sport where 11 where as many players are on the field doing completely different things right. than football, like basketball, all five players more or less are dribbling, shooting and passing like it. Well, yeah. And you, in, in basketball, the three guys all have their own zone based on where they're at on the floor. This is what they're supposed to be looking at at that time. And right. You just, I mean, I think that when you guys are, when everybody's like, is as good at it as they are. I'm sure at that point you're like, I know that that guy knows where he's supposed to be looking right now. I'm not looking there. Right. Like, I'm looking where I'm supposed to be looking. When, and yeah, and football is even more of a, even more of a focus. I think there's eight now. I think they expanded to eight uh, five years ago. Uh, eight officials. Yeah, I, I don't know. There's two behind like the head, the head judge and there's another judge behind and there's two linesmen, one guy in the middle and two in the back. And, uh, they, y- you are only looking at a very short specific thing mm-hmm. at a ve- any given time. And so that's how, you know, and then you have to be able to, to negate that. Like you have to trust if someone comes in and says, no, no, no. Hey, Mark, that's not what happened. Like I saw it hit the ground. Then you, you have to defer to somebody else. Like you have to trust amongst the team. Yeah. I just didn't know that was how the officials went, but like, that's, that's a tough way to go out. I mean, if you're Auburn, that is a tough way to go out. Yeah. I f- that's kind of where I was at when the game got over. I felt really bad for those kids just cause it was, I mean, to go on the run that they did to take the lead and then have it end like that. 
and I I don't know. I, I That's just one of those things where I feel like they had done everything that they needed to do to be able to win the game. And then, not that it got taken from them, but at that point it's just like, damn. <laughs> like, why can't you let the kids decide something yeah. sometimes? And at the same time, Kyle Guy had to step up there and hit three free throws that are literally the most pressure-packed free throws. Exactly. Other you, than maybe Carson Edwards, the most pressure-packed free throws. The only possible way to ever, I think, find more pressure-packed free throws would be one, if it's the national championship game, or two, if there literally is no time on the clock and you're standing there by yourself shooting three free throws yeah. to win the game. Right. And he knocked up, he stepped up and knocked all three of them down. So you got to give him some props on the same, like in the same vein. But it's just one of those things where you're like, man, they did everything that they could to try and give that game away. And it's they managed kind of, to snatch victory from the jaws of defeat. Right. And it's crazy, too, to think about Auburn, where they won the first game on where they fouled a free throw sh- or a three point shooter with like half a second on the clock. And the guy missed one of the free throws. And that's how they advanced to the, and they're able to advance to the championship, uh, get all the way to the final four. That's how thin the margin is, though. Yeah. It, well, and look at, uh, you know, look at the, um, the, how close he was to not fouling that guy. You know, like that's, that's an inch maybe where if he just, if he stays this much more vertical and lands half an inch further back, they might not call that foul. And then you're going to the national championship game. And that's like, that's what, where you like sit down and you're like, man, that really sucks. Yeah. You just got to feel bad for those guys. Yeah. That's one of those ones where like, what was it? It was two or two or three years ago when it was when Buddy Heels at Oklahoma and Villanova was in the. Like they got to the final, uh, Buddy Hill's Oklahoma team got to the final four and played Villanova and lost by like 34 points in yeah. the final four. I would way rather have that, like get to the final four and then just get embarrassed than lose like Auburn did. I think any four of those teams, you could have been, you could have been happy if they won the national championship. Like you could have been like, okay, I can see it, you know. With how they played? Yeah. There are some. Or with years, how they have played Or so how far. they have played recently, you know. I mean, Michigan State wins the Big Ten, wins the Big Ten conference tournament probably could have been a number one seed. Mm-hmm. Uh, Virginia arguably has probably been the most consistent team the entire season. I think you could say they've been the best team the entire season. Texas Tech, I think, is playing like the best team right now. And then Auburn won the SEC, was a preseason top 10 team. There's there's no way for anybody to be like, oh, well, that's just a fluke that they were yeah. able to get there. Like, they've all four of those teams have been some of the best teams in the country the entire year. And uh, that – that to me is it's like whoever won either one of those games, you can look at it and be like, okay, you can point to reasons like, okay, this team legitimately might have been the best team in the country this year. Is this the last, is this the, how long ago was the last time a big 12 team? Kansas in 2008. Not, not, not named Kansas was in a national title game. In the national title game? Yeah. That's been a while. Cause Kansas has done it, what, only twice? Bill Self's only played in two national championships, right? Lost one, won one. No, they've, uh, is that right? Well, they lost to Ken- to Kentucky that year, 2012, and then won 2008. Have they not been another time? I don't know. I don't think so, because that was the Morris Twins in 08, wasn't it? No, that right. was like Mario Chalmers. Oh, right, right, right. Uh, man, I can't – maybe they've only been to two. For some reason, I feel like they've been to more than that, but I, I could be wrong. Uh, but then they went in the year that Carmelo won, 2003 – that was Carlson and Heinrich, and uh, and and they lost in that one. Yeah. That was with Roy Williams as their coach. Oh, that's also 
Yeah, in that national title game with Kansas. I mean, so now we've got a, well, that's a, what I'm saying. a I'm non-Kansas. Other Big 12 teams that have been to like been there. Oklahoma went at some point in the 80s. They played Kansas, I think, in the national championship game with like Billy Tubbs. So let's just that. go with it. it's been a while. Yeah. Well, I can tell you that the last time a team that's currently in the Big 12 won the national championship and it wasn't Kansas, it was 1946. <laughs> Oklahoma and A&M won back to back in. Is that now Oklahoma 46. State? Yeah. Yeah. Good for them. So it's been a very long time. It and I think Kansas is the only other in the modern era of the Big Twelve. Kansas is the only Big Twelve team that's won the national championship. Yeah, because you'd think. I mean, we'd remember the other ones. Yeah. How crazy is it that it's Texas Tech that might be the other team, right. to do it? Chris Beard. Good for him. Chris Beard is one heck of a basketball coach. All right, so we have not talked about anything. Nope, that I we haven't expected us to talk about. But uh, who, all right, well, I'll we'll get it on the record. Who you who you got? tonight i think virginia i think that if because any one of those like you still like to any one of those four teams this is going to be a like a not a i don't mean heavyweight fight in the sense of like oh these are big big like you know the the big names in the sport but heavyweight in the sense that like it's going to be less up and down Mm -hmm. like Either team could run if they want to. Like, Texas Tech can run if they want to, but they would feel more comfortable in a half-court set. And Virginia, obviously, is more comfortable in a half-court set. Absolutely. So this is going to be a the, – the shot clock is going to be down at 7 before they take their first look. I'm looking to see what the over-under is because uh, – Like 124? Yeah, I mean, I, my buddy told me he thought he, – he was like, I wouldn't be shocked if it's like 110. It's 117 and a half. Yeah, low. Yeah. And so this is going to be an absolute, I mean, it's going to be, I think it'll be much more similar to Texas Tech's last game where it's ugly. Well, yeah. I, the other thing, and I think that for, the other thing that I think Virginia has is Tariq Owens is not going to be at full strength. He is playing though. He is not going to be at full strength. I, swear, I mean, he's going to play. He's sure. But you don't sprain an ankle and two days later have a, a fully, because that dude relies on effort and explosiveness. Like that's his game. And when you have a sprained ankle, you have to change direction and jump like, the way that his ankle rolled, I've had that sprain before. Just, I mean, different sport, but like it hurts worse three days after it happens than it does when it happened. Yeah. So he's not going to be at full, full strength. So I don't think, like, I think he is one of the big pieces because Odiasi, they're, they're going to they're gonna go at Odiasi to get him in foul trouble, I'm guessing, to make Owens work on that bad ankle. Yeah. The other thing is that it's the national championship game. So think about what your adrenaline will be like. Still, but like... No, I get what you're saying. I'm just saying, like, he, but he won't be able to change directions like he normally will, and that they will they will go at him like that until they put a needle in his ankle and <laughs> he can't and feel say, it and, and say, Tariq, can you feel your foot? Is yeah, okay. Well, we got to put another one in then. I just I um I think just Virginia, just because it's just a trade and punches to the face. Yeah, I think Texas Tech can win. I think they're playing like the best team right now. It's going to be good, though. It will be good. Uh, all right. Want to talk about some football? Sure. We talked to the receivers. Talked about receivers on Thursday. Talked about the offensive line. Um, what – with this group of receivers that they've got coming back, what do you look at as being the most important thing when it comes to replacing Hakeem? They need just a guy who can take single coverage outside because you're going to get it. Uh, the amount of bodies they have towards the center of the ball, that's where their most skill is now, is you, your best receivers or your two slot receivers or Deshante. Could Tariq play on the outside? P- 
Potentially he's little, yeah. um, but so is Antonio Brown. Mm-hmm. I mean, so I, I don't know if he could, I think he absolutely could. Um, but I th- he's much, his, his skill set is much more suited to being a slot. I would honestly think that Deshante would potentially fare better out there. Cause I think he's stronger. Um, but either way, you just need to have somebody, whomever else that person is, because of, if you look at the rest of the offense, like we've talked about the, the, the best position on the team might be tight ends and you have three of them that are really good. And so that puts the, the focus closer to the ball, which means the safeties can't play as far out. They can't play as deep because most of the work that's going to be done, the, most of the potential work to be done is inside the box or near the box. And then your best receivers are your next shot outside of that, which are Tariq and Deshante. Mm-hmm. So they have to have somebody like Landon Akers has to become a dude that's consistently getting receptions. He's not just a guy that's running off coverage. So Landon Akers or somebody has to be someone that has, when you do get a single coverage because the safety's eyeballs are, are, you know, they're playing cover three because they got to spin somebody down to protect against the run or against the tight end run, like any interior tight end passes that you're getting more one-on-one coverage. You have to have a guy that can beat that and keep that explosiveness open because I don't know. I mean, who's the vertical threat? Who's the guy that is going to take... It's got to be Tariq. I mean, he was probably one of the... Outside of Hakeem, he was probably their best one last year. Right, but I mean, if there is a... Obviously, Hakeem is the, uh, was the dude. Yeah. But when it is that cha- the guy that changes the dynamic of the coverage, and I think the best place for that to exist is outside because it's so far away from everything, there's naturally space built in. Where if a, a slot receiver... You can pass that off to three dudes before he gets to the, to the safety level because you yeah. can have a corner fade in, you can have a linebacker fade out, and you can have a safety that play kind of hovers. So yes, he's a vertical threat on like posts and stuff like that from a slot position, but your vertical threat needs to be, should not needs to be, should be an ex an outside guy. Maybe that's Sean Shaw. Maybe that's La- maybe Landon Acres develops a better deep game yeah. because of all that pressure, all the the pressure the interior of the offense is going to present. But I think the biggest, yeah, my biggest question is who steps up to be the guy that is one, the vertical threat that can, that can extend the defense and not let, when I say cover three, um, obviously we talk about, we've talked about this before. It's middle open, middle closed, whatever. And cover three is the, the number of the, the coverage is how many deep players there are. Mm-hmm. The cover three is different than most other coverages because you only have one deep safety. Your corners are the other two. So the three in this cover three, our corner takes a deep third. One of the safeties, usually the free safety, will take the middle third and the corner will take the other third. That other safety, that strong safety is going to play down in the box ish kind of box or box adjacent, depending on what you have, what the formation is. And he's going to play like hook to curl or over to a flat. So he's going to play down in the box. So like teams, if they, if we, if you don't have a vertical threat that can one-on-one challenge that corner, Mm -hmm. they can get away with playing cover three because it it muddies up the middle. And so then running against a cover three box is harder because there's just a guy you can't account for. There is, or throwing into your passes harder because there's your four defensive linemen, your three linebackers, and now a safety's down there. And so it's more, it's like an eight, seven and a half man box, depending on what your cover three looks like. So it can be challenging to get anything going if you're not able to pull them out of that. So if you have someone that can pull them out of that, maybe, like I said, maybe that's Landon Akers, maybe that's Sean Shaw, maybe that's somebody else. But I think you need to have somebody that is a threat to make them not just sit in a safety low position. Mm-hmm. They can. And I think there, I mean, there's obviously ways to be cover three. Cover three is, I think, one of my favorite defenses to play against because there are such obvious seams. But you have to have the capacity to get to those seams in order for it to work. Yeah, the thing that Shieldhouse brought up with Tariq specifically when asked, like, what his 
you know, I, biggest strength. I can't exact remember exactly what the question was, but he did say he's like just taking the top off the defense, mm-hmm. his ability to stretch the field. And I mean, it's, it really is going to come down to how some of those younger guys develop around them. Yeah. I think because regardless of whether Tariq can make big jumps, if Deshante can make a, another good jump, like that's still just those two guys and they're probably way too similar to really like I said and then and Landon yeah it's the other and I and nothing against Landon Acres but I'm just not sure that's the right and so like that's the the situation you want to rely on but of the guys that got significant snaps last year I mean he can fly so it's can you turn that speed that he naturally has into being a good receiver because that was the thing that he would not that he Landon Acres can fly I think he got in the wrong profession he should have been like some sort of circus show not, I mean, not literally. Are you like, sure? Like, I mean, I, I, I can't say for certain. He might be able to. If he can, why are we not using that weapon more often? It's just well, have him levitate saying. up above where he can be tackled and throw it to him and then have him just float over. I would also say he probably should have been a basketball player. Like, think about the kind of money he could have made as a basketball player. Oh, if he shoot, was capable man. of flight. Anything. He would never have to dribble. Nothing. Like, no. he catches the ball and just takes off and goes and dunks it. Would that be a three? That, w- that would have to be a three, wouldn't it? If, I mean, if he, or he, like if his, if he establishes himself on the court behind the three point line and then they pass it to him like an alley-oop three. That was one thing I always wondered about the space jam, the final shot in space jam. Would it, would it have been Wouldn't a that three? technically be a three? That would technically have been a three. Yeah, it should be. It's behind the three point line. I think that there hasn't been enough questions asked about the final play in space jam. That like, has to be what, a three. Why did we not do more? To question the realism of that. Because, like, if, you, if someone hits a runner, yeah. like, if, you know, it's three, two, one, and you just you hit a runner from behind the three-point line, you land on the free-throw line, but you jump from behind the three-point line. If that goes in, that's a three. So it doesn't matter where you land. It's where you take off. I think we've asked a very important question right here. Michael Jordan, that, that should have been worth three points in Space Jam. So the Toon Squad should have won by two. I don't know what the line was, but that's big. That, that could have been huge in Vegas. Or Vegas or whatever the gambling planet that yeah. the the boss of Space Mountain had. Yeah. Well, I certainly was not anticipating talking about that. but I'm uh, glad we did. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm glad, glad we that did. we got to the bottom of that. Uh, all right, so the offensive line. Uh, nothing too crazy, I don't think. How many guys are – because they rotated a good amount Yeah. a couple years ago and less this last year. Are they going to do more rotations or do they want to stay with five? I'm guessing that they'll do more rotations. I mean, he, he said that they've got like 10 guys that they're pretty confident in right now. I think, who doesn't say that in spring? Well, yeah, but I mean, when you just look at the talent level that they have compared to where it was previously, you can, you can see where that might be a legitimate thing. I mean, you have the five that all played so much last year, mm-hmm. and then you got Joey Ramos coming in as a, a retro freshman now. Trevor Downing will be a retro freshman. Rob Hudson's a guy that I know they're really excited about. Uh, going into last season, he'd be a retro sophomore, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, who else? I'm trying to think. I mean, Sean Foster obviously has played a lot still. Yeah, yeah. his hips just need to get better. Yeah, I mean, you, I don't know how confident you are in him, but you, at least you know that he's knows what he's doing. Yeah, if you he's one of those guys. He, he's just too tall for his own good right now. I think he still will end up being a really good player. I don't know his. I have no idea what his headspace is. Um, but from a, a physical talent standpoint, he's just six eight and plays at six ten. Like yeah. he, but that's nine that I named right there. Right. So. 
so he's just a guy like th- those you know foster is just individual it's just a guy if he can bring his hips down he's got length and athleticism to make it work it's just he plays too tall mm-hmm. right now which is really disadvantageous when you're already really tall right i mean i think that you can i'm i feel confident in the idea that they can go i think that this last year they went from you know in, in year one with campbell they were bad year two they were a little bit less bad yeah Year three, I think they were like slightly below average, like not as bad, but still not, not, not good. good, not average. I, I, my hope is that at least they, they could be get a, to be average. They could be a B minus or yeah. B offensive line. And if they can be a B minus or B, then I think they can be pretty good. You know, yeah. like that, that's fine. You don't need them to be, you don't need them to be the hogs from the Redskins in the eighties. Like you just need them to be good enough. Yeah. Well, one thing I was, so another, this is totally unrelated, um, to the offensive line. Um, I was talking with they've, Jack. They've come a long way from where they were like, like, I think Chris wrote after they lost to UNI that one year that it was the worst offensive line he'd ever seen at Iowa State. That was so bad. I was disappointed with that. I think that, that would have f- been after I left. Was that Campbell's first year? Or was that the, that would have been Campbell's first year. Yeah. I believe. Or Rhodes last year. Hmm. No, I think it was Campbell's first year. It had to have been. I'd have to go back and look, but I, th- I think that that's right. But anyway. Yeah, regardless. No, the, I, I don't remember the – oh, yeah. Um, so I was talking with Jack Whitver the other day, and uh, just I was like – because he had been to a couple practices, and I was like, so who stuck out to you? And this – I don't know why this came to mind, other because it's, it's, it's not related to the offensive line. But he goes, Mike Rose looks like a statue right now where he has put on a significant amount of body mass. And I, hopefully that's good because his advantage was speed last year, but he was also kind of a puppy. So like, hopefully now he can kind of hold his own more. Cause that dude was what? Six, two. Now he's grown into his big feet. Yeah. He's not stumbling over his big feet anymore. He's what? Six, two, six, three. Yeah. And now, I mean, if he's walking around at two forty something, that's a middle linebacker. I don't know what he weighs. I, do you want me to ask him to step on the scale next yeah, time I if see you him? Can. Okay. If I you will. can. Make sure you zero it out, though. Yeah. I, I'll, I'll make sure. But I, I, I'll, I, I think I know. I remember where, like, my train of thought that I jumped to this. We're talking about the B-minus offensive line. I think the defense is going to be the strength of the team again. Yeah. Let, uh, let's take a break, and then we'll talk about defense. Okay. We'll do that right after this. You're listening to Football and Random Things on the Cyclone Fanatic Podcast Network. Lawn care with unmatched service. Landscapes, custom design. Sprinkler systems installed and serviced. Thanks, Central Iowa, for 30-plus years of your support. A-plus lawn and landscape. Hey, guys, it's Chris interrupting this podcast because, you know, everybody wants to know that I get it asked all the time. How can we help Cyclone Fanatic? Well, you help Cyclone Fanatic by you support our advertisers, and everybody needs to be aware of eye care. I wasn't for a long time, and I went to... Ames Eye Care, and they really helped me out. It's changed my life. I don't have headaches the way that I did. You've heard me talk about this. They're also in Des Moines at Des Moines Eye Care, and you need to think about this with your family. Get the kids checked out. Encourage the wife. Anything. Personalized eye care. Designer eyewear. I've got these sweet Maui gym glasses that I use at work all the time. People think they look awesome. They meet your whole family's vision needs at Ames and Des Moines Eye Care. Check them out today and support Cyclone Fanatic. Hey guys, it's Jared here with another message from Mechdyne. Are you looking to jumpstart your IT career? Or maybe you're a student looking to earn some extra cash? Well, listen up. Mechdyne is currently looking to hire both full-time and part-time IT help desk agents 
to respond to and help troubleshoot client IT technical issues. You can get your foot in the door at an awesome company with a super fun culture that I've seen firsthand with my own eyes. So go visit the career page at mechdyne.com. That's M-E-C-H-D-Y-N-E.com. Check them out today. I still can't believe you would walk into the Carl Chevrolet studios and eat the butt of the bread. Why is that a, th- why is that a problem? You're eating the butt. Do you, do you, do you cut the crust off of your bread as well? No, but I'm just saying it's like, so the butt is just, well, a, I don't want to eat just that. A, it, the butt is just more crust than normal. Do you, it, if you hate crust, then fine. Yeah. I hate the butt of the bread. I take the top piece. I take the top butt off and I throw that in the trash and then I, or you give just it to my wasted dog, food. And then I, you wasted since, food since nobody ever does that in the United States of America. Right? Yeah. Why are you contributing more to the problem? I said, I, I said, sometimes I give it to my dog. You better give it every time, every single time you give that bread to your dog. Otherwise you're just throwing food away. You paid for that. You just wasted that money. That's perfectly fine, man. When you can buy a loaf of bread for like a dollar and how many slices of bread are in a loaf? I don't know. 20. I maybe pay five cents per piece. I'll throw the dime away. That's perfectly fine. That's not worth five cents. A dime is worth 10 cents in U.S. currency. No, that's what I'm saying. The two. You said that piece. One. There's two butts. That's pieces. Okay. Get your story straight, Jared. You're killing me, man. I just, I, like I said, the I butt can't. of the bread is just additional bread with more crust than normal. I'm damn it. I'm going to eat that bread. Even if I end up with an odd number, if I have three left, I'm going to make that butt into a half sandwich and have a half sandwich on top of the regular sandwich. I'm committed I, to not wasting bread. You like, I'm embarrassed to see you doing this to yourself. Why? I, I don't know. It, it just makes no sense to me. You're eating the butt. Yeah, I am eating the butt. So this is fart. <laughs> <laughs> this is football and random things in the Carl Chevrolet studios. All right, so the defense. Um, we talked to Eli Rashid on Tuesday. I guess that was after we recorded. Uh, do you think – how crazy would it be to say that Iowa State will have the best defensive line in the Big 12 next year? I don't know if I can – I mean, I, I don't know what Texas has coming back. But Texas is probably going to be pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, but other than that, who would be up there? I can't imagine there's many teams that return the production that Iowa State's defensive line right. has. Right. Between between Jaquan and Ray Lima. And, and any might be any the best player. I mean, Lima's really pretty damn good. But, like, any might have the highest ceiling of all of them. Yeah. Well, and even Jamal Johnson. Like, he's made a lot of plays in mm-hmm. his his career. Matt Leo has has made plays. Uh, I feel like I'm forgetting some guys. But then you even – and, like, what's crazy is that you got all those dudes and then you've got some pups coming up that I think they're really confident in. Isaiah Lee played a, played some key mm-hmm. points for him. Zach Peterson was a guy that they played in his four games and then tried to redshirt him and then realized that they couldn't redshirt him. And he had to play – he had to keep playing for him on special teams and stuff. So I think he's a guy that they expect to be really big for him. And then I wouldn't be shocked at all if Blake Peterson ended up playing quite a bit as a true freshman. I think the biggest question I have with the defensive line um, is how much does Matt Leo grow? Yeah. Um, Not as a person, because if you could like design physically what a defensive end would look like, it's Matt Leo. I mean, the dude has like negative 7% body fat. He's 6'7", like 280. That guy's going to play his best football after he's at Iowa State. I'm almost willing to guarantee that. Just because he's so, he he is, again, he's very new to the sport in general. But 
Um, he's one of those dudes that would be like an undrafted free agent in the first, like snap, snatched up like right away. And then they find out, holy cow, this dude's a freak. Yeah, plays like 12 seasons. Yeah, yeah. plays 12, 15 seasons in the NFL. Um, I think his biggest, yeah, like I said, my, my biggest question, because I don't have much of a question with any, I don't have much of a question with Jaquan Bailey, which is, again, with a, a few years ago, he was my number one doghouse guy. He's 19. Uh, number 19. Um, and now then, he's number three. And now he's, he's Bailey. He's Jaquan Bailey. He's yeah. earned a name. But then Ray Lima is obviously the guy that's holding everything down in the middle. And so you have, assuming they stay with the three down front, which I think at this point we can probably assume is the case. But um, those three, I don't have much of a question with. And I'm going to guess that they play, those three play 70-ish percent of the snaps, uh -huh. probably. But then the 30%, you can't have a, a significant drop-off. And honestly, I think Lima will probably rotate more um, because Jamal Johnson has done such a good job. They'll probably rotate him in, in a lot more different situations. So I think uh, Johnson's a better pass rusher. Well, the thing I think that's interesting is that when you, you start in the three, but you can you have so much flexibility with all those different guys that you can always go into the four. Yeah, you know, and when you, you just got, have to be able to practice it. Right. Well, yeah. I, I'm. I mean, those guys have played so much at this point. I would think that, like, it's crazy to think when I first started covering the team, the the starter at one of the defensive tackle positions was Robbie Garcia, and I think he was either a true freshman or a redshirt freshman. Uh, yeah, and then he switched over to being a starting offensive lineman. Yeah, and it was like you look at the if they got one guy hurt on the defensive line, I mean. It was bad th news. Things were going to get real interesting. Right. And now it's like, okay, one guy gets hurt. Oh, well, good thing we've got about six more that you can throw mm -hmm. out there that have already played snaps before. But I think, like I said, the biggest, the big thing is there's going to be a drop up, drop off between your ones and your twos. That's why they're twos. Yeah. But it's just how big is that drop off going to be? And last year, when any hurt his groin, was coincidentally right about the time before Iowa State's defense started for a series of about three games falling apart. Mm -hmm. It's not a coincidence that they did that. It's because his position that, that he had, because they only have three defensive linemen, there's a lot of, they have to do a lot, and you have to be in the right spot every single play. And Annie usually is, and Leo usually wasn't. He's a freak, and he can push someone around, just move, like, I want you to go over there. But he doesn't know exactly know why. And a lot of times, we'll overplay everything. Yeah. And so, like, he'll get... 14 yards up the field and then they'll run right underneath him. So yeah. like he'll just be out of place. And that just comes with, because like you're coached as, you know, think of like coaching a 12 year old how to play or 10 year old how to play football for the first time. You're like, all right, get, get into your chest and push him backwards. And they're like, okay. And then they start pushing backwards. And it's like the blind side where he's pushing him 50 yards down the field. See, and would it shock you at all though, if going into this year, I mean, now it's his third year in the program. If he made a jump and ended up with like, Six not, sacks. Not year? even remotely. No, because yeah. his thing, it's not physical. Yeah. His technique is actually okay. Like his his technique is under is fine. His physical ability is off the charts. It's just his football IQ, his understanding of where he has to be and why he has to be there, that will come with repetition. So I think that it, again, I don't know if he is going to take this big step forward, but if he does take this big step forward, then you have a serious set of defensive ends though between those three and i don't know who the fourth ends up being but if you I have, think it would probably be zach peterson from, okay from what i've okay. been able to gather but either way your top three guys then would be bailey at wazarike and lima or and leo excuse me those three that's a problem that's yeah. that's the best three defensive ends in the big 12 probably yeah if you have all three of them at a high production level well and what's crazy too is it just is crazy to look at the entire group on the defensive line and basically everyone that they have 
are dudes that they legitimately had to go out and win recruiting battles against like legitimate programs right. to get them. Who, and, who and, he really, to, and he really is the only one that say, they uh, didn't, did, but that was because of other stuff. I was going to say, who did Eddie have to things, be? I think. Well, and he was maybe committed to like, I think he was committed to Toledo originally, but I mean, he had interest from a lot of different places. But like I said, I think the academics were a little bit hmm. suspect with, because I think that's why he, I mean, he didn't get on campus until like the week before school or something like that that year. I'd have to go back and look, but I'm pretty sure that's right. But Bailey had to win him from Florida and Virginia Tech. Yeah, yeah, the especially Virginia Tech. I mean, I think he that I don't know if you've ever seen that video. Or I think he pulled off his shirt and had a Virginia Tech shirt on, and then pulled it off and had an Iowa State one underneath Ooh. that. Uh, I I think that's what happened. But uh, and then Matt Leo, obviously they beat Oklahoma to get him. Uh, and then like with Zach Peterson, I mean they had to beat a bunch of people right at the end. I think he had Minnesota and Nebraska and Iowa and basically everybody coming after him right there at the very end of, uh, in the second cycle, mm-hmm. Blake Peterson, you beat out, uh, at least Minnesota and Nebraska and Iowa that I can remember. Uh, like they have to, they've legitimately had to win some recruiting battles to get these dudes. And it's not like you're just throwing a bunch of no name, random ass guys out there all the yeah. time. Well, and I think if you look across the board, you're starting three are probably all NFL players. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't you, know. I, I don't, think you can look at Iowa state's defense from, like, look at that team from last year. I think all three of those starters at the, on the defensive line will play in the NFL. I think Brian Peavy will play in the NFL. Uh, Greg Eisworth will probably play in the NFL. Willie Harvey could play in the NFL. Would it shock you if Mike Rose played in the NFL? No. Marcel? Eh, maybe. I mean, he, he could turn into me. Like, uh, uh, he reminds, Marcel reminds me of Christian Kirksey, which could end up landing him a spot in the NFL, but it mm-hmm. also could... Like, Kirksey wasn't that good in college, like well, in my opinion. And then, I mean, some of the cornerbacks that they rotated in there, the guys like Daytron Young, he, he's really short. That would be kind of his thing. But Anthony, Anthony Johnson. Johnson, I mean, DK McDonald told us last week he thinks that Anthony Johnson has all the tools to be the best cornerback that ever played at Iowa State. That's a high praise. And that's crazy to think when you think about some of the cornerbacks that have come through Iowa State. Right. And, I mean, that's 10 dudes out of the, I don't know, 20 that maybe consistently played for them mm-hmm. that – all legitimately you could see a path to where they could eventually play in the NFL. Yeah. Well, and I think the highest likelihood of those guys is if you look, like I said, just look straight on the defensive line is between Bailey, Lima, and Awazarike. Those three guys, if they have solid production, Awazarike has two more years, right? And Bailey and Lima will be seniors. Correct. So those guys, if they have solid production for the next year or two, if necessary, I would think that they would be draft pick guys. Which is, again, crazy like that, to think that Iowa State has the potential to have linemen being drafted. Mm-hmm. That's a solid program. That's why Alabama and Clemson are so good, is that we're the best defensive linemen, we're the best offensive linemen. Right. Alabama and Clemson. And that's, you build from the inside out. And that... Well, that doesn't even count Matt Leo. <laughs> right. Who, who, like we just talked about, might play his best football after... Iowa State. Yeah, because he's a, a, a guy, I, I think he's not quite as much of a head case as David Irving is, but the David Irving model is where he just didn't know what he was doing, and he's just stupid athleticism and stupid length, and all of a sudden he gets a, into a good situation and it's like, oh, okay, well, Man, he turned out to be okay. What do you think of your former teammate? He's a nutcase. Nice guy, but man, he's in his own head. It, uh... It, it's interesting. Yeah. I mean, especially the way that now his career is ending. Like, yeah, it it I I don't know. He's an odd bird. I get what 
like I get where he's coming from, like kind of his issues that he's got right now, like with the NFL. But it, it's also like, man, you got everything out in front of you right now, dude. Like make this point when you have a little more ground to stand on. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's just, it, that's an interesting life choice. I think to just quit because of that, but I don't know. I'm not the one that's playing in the NFL. So I guess I don't have, he also hit was going to have his second suspension. And so he's going to be without pay for eight games, 12 games, I think. Yeah, but I mean, how old is he? He's, he's probably two only, years younger than I am, three years younger, 26. I was going to say, I mean, I think me and him are pretty close to the same age. Yeah. yeah, he may be just a little bit older than me. Uh, so he's probably 25, 26. Like that dude still had, probably had his best football in front of him. Uh, just as he kept improving and kept getting older. You look really enamored with that, whatever you just saw on your phone. Are you listening to anything I'm saying? No. I wasn't. What else do you want to talk about? Um, I just want to know how, what kind of person you are to, what? in a situation that just encountered out, outside, I, I parked in a spot and I got out and I was running a little bit later than I wanted to. It wasn't late, but like later than I wanted to be. Uh, you were late. You told me 1245. And I was like 1249. Yeah, it was like 12. Like I said, a little bit later than I wanted to be, but I parked on the line. You got back in your truck and you straightened out. Damn you? straight. I did. Do you? Uh, I mean, what? how egregious was it? Uh, it was the outside of my tire exceeded the white line. Were you in the other spot? No. I mean, well, in by like a few inches. Because like I said, the outside of my tire was on the other side of the white line. Could another car park next to you and be able to comfortably get out? Not if it was another pickup. If it was another truck, you could not get in there. If it was a like a, a Corolla, like a Toyota Corolla could comfortably sneak into that spot next door. Maybe a... Chevy Malibu, Chevy Cruze from Carl Chevrolet. That's true. So uh, do you get out and redo that parking job? I want to know what kind of person you are, Jared. We've already talked about it. You're wasteful because you don't eat the butt of the bread. Just naturally a wasteful person. So you're also inconsiderate of others. Do you get out and back and redo that spot? I don't know. I mean, I would evaluate how egregious it is, you know. Like I said, if it's, if it's one of those things where I looked at it and I'm like, man, this would really inhibit somebody else's ability to be able to park in this area, then I'd be like, all right, yeah, I need to redo this. But, but if it's on the borderline, you go, screw it. I mean, it would depend on how much of a hurry I'm in at that point. You know, if it's like, I really have to get inside, I'm, I'm not going to mess with this right now, then I probably wouldn't. No. You're a bad person. I don't think that that should be a very solid gauge of how no, good of a person I am. That is the only gauge of how good of a person you are. Like I said, if it's really bad, yes, obviously I would redo it. You ever like shock yourself with how poor of a, like if you're just inattentively, like you're jamming to a song or whatever, you pull into a parking spot and you get out and you look at it and you're like, I wasn't even remotely close to this. Like I, I shock myself sometimes. I don't feel like I'm a bad driver, but just like I said, there's nobody else around. There's no other parking spot mm -hmm. like taken within the next like three rows of traffic or of, of spots and park in there. And I'm on like four different spots. I'm like, all right, well, uh, I'm horrible. I'm going to do this again. <laughs> it's like when you, have you ever played roulette before? Yes. Uh, when you lay down the chip on the four corners, <laughs> you're like, I'm in one of these spots. <laughs> I, I would, you know, whichever one. I'm going to take all four of these. <laughs> Hit it 17. Yeah, no, I wanted 17. I was just in 17. Yeah, you're basically the roulette player of parking. But I go back and redo it because I'm a, I'm a good person. I, I feel in my soul like I'm an altruistic person 
And I don't want to give somebody else that life experience of having to shimmy out from their car. <laughs> if only everybody thought the way you do, Jeff. <laughs> The world would be probably an absolute disaster. But it <laughs> Total would, disaster. But it would, Nobody would be on time to anything. But at least the parking would all be perfect. Parking would be great. If there were more me's on this earth, that'd be a horrible thing. Nothing would get done. I know how tiring it is to spend 45 minutes with you every week, so. You don't want to know what it's like to live inside this brain. Oh, uh, no, I absolutely do not. It, I know how crazy it is in my own head, so. It's a tornado up here all the time. I just imagine it's like a constantly just a mix of like random songs uh, Some very insightful things that yeah. sometimes you can get out and then otherwise just fun facts or fun, random, random memory. So like I was texting with somebody today, whatever happened to MySpace, Tom, random, random thing just pops in my brain. I feel like this is something you could probably Google and find out. <laughs> How many relationships did he destroy? Like friend relationships did MySpace, Tom destroy? What, what do you mean? The top friends list. Oh, I, I was not old enough for MySpace. Man, Sorry, man. You missed out. You, I'm sure you're aware of the concept. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Where you ranked how... You, Kevin from, Durant's MySpace page is one of the all-time great internet things. Have you ever seen it? Mm. Just looking for some little youngins to chill with. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's what it says. Oh, that's great. That's, that's a... Man, that's what, it would have been like, it would that's what a 15-year-old would say. It's what it would have been. I mean, it would have been like 2007 or something when he probably made it. You know, it would have been like when he was at Texas. It would have been probably before then. I don't know. Because yeah. it was like, that was like my, I know he was was like, that was like my junior high time, which would have been like 03, 05 in okay. there. Well, I know he was committed to Texas because there's a bunch of stuff about Texas on his MySpace page. Yeah, I probably wouldn't have Because didn't he play in 05? No, he played in 07, 08. 07, 08. Okay. So it would have been probably 05, 06 then. Yeah, because he went number two in the 2008 NBA draft behind Greg Oden. Oh, wait. No, 0607. Sorry, I was wrong. 0607. Yeah, so 0506. No, 0607. No, I mean with his MySpace page. Oh, if yeah. If he was committed to Texas. Maybe, yeah. Yeah. I think maybe he was at Texas. I don't know. I don't, I don't remember. I'd have to pull it up and look Moral at it. Moral of the story, he's just looking for some youngins to well, yeah. chill with. Looking looking for some little youngins to chill with. It's got to be chill with, not chill wit. with. Wit. Yeah. Uh, there's something else that I was going to say, but I don't remember what it is. So I, I think we're done for today. Sound good? I'm good with it. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll talk to you guys again next week. Been recording in the Carl Chevrolet Studios. I think that's it. Peace.